episode 32 of the Online Chicken School podcast. Today we're talking about how to care for chickens with frostbite. It's time for the Online Chicken School podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hello, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. Doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city, this is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. Okay, well, we're going to start out with a message that Craig sent us, and he sent us a link to an article from hobbyfarms.com. The article's titled, Bird Flu is Back. And that's just what you want to read, isn't it? <laughs> the article talks about how bird flu is on the rise in Europe right now. They actually discovered it on a farm in the Netherlands, and they had to destroy 150,000 chickens. Wow, that's a lot of chickens. Yeah, in my homeland of the Netherlands. Uh, that's right. Yes, I am of the Dutch side. You're a nether leader? <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of bad jokes about that, so I don't want to go there. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, in addition to that, on a farm in England, they had to destroy 6,000 ducks. And they also found bird flu in some birds in Germany. And now Germany's actually requiring that all chicken keepers move their flocks indoors. Oh, my gosh. That would be a nightmare for us. <laughs> well, yeah. And we only have, well, let's see, after the processing over the last couple of weeks, we're down to, I think, 32 chickens or Maybe it's even 30. That would be a lot, but we're not that big. Can you imagine, uh, you know, our good friend down the street with his 150 oh chickens? Oh my gosh. But think about that. You know, you got to call your relatives, say, hey, uh, I'm looking for a place for... Uh, <laughs> got to foster my chickens for a little <laughs> bit. A couple of my birds to stay for a little while. Do and, you have any room? And don't worry, they don't have bird flu. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know that bird flu thing that's going around? I want to let some of my chickens live at your house. You don't mind, do you? <laughs> so for all our listeners in Germany... Uh, sorry about that. That's really got to stink. I would say something appropriate in German, but, uh, I don't really know anything. Oh my goodness. You're, know, of, uh, you're of German heritage. How do you not know? Well, I know the words I was called by my grandparents. Like, <laughs> I don't think those are appropriate. We're family friendly here. <laughs> that one's not so bad. Oh, well let's, let's talk about the other ones off the air. Okay. <laughs> Earlier this year, South Korea had to kill millions of birds trying to get rid of it. Jeez. So naturally, Craig asks a really good question. Should we be concerned about this? Well, Craig, there is really no reason for us to be concerned in the U.S. This uh, variation of bird flu can't be transmitted to humans, which is good. So it has to be passed bird to bird, which really makes it pretty difficult to cross over to our continent. Now, one thing you could do is maybe make sure your chickens don't invite any of their overseas relatives to spend the holidays at your place. Yeah, I'm not going to invite my Netherlands chicken relatives to come over and stay. So um, <laughs> there haven't been any cases here. So until that happens, there's really nothing to worry about on the U.S. side. Okay, so breathe easy. Yes. I do want to put something in here now that's not in our notes um, that is pretty exciting. We have chirping little chicks in the other room. They hatched overnight last night. We had set some 21 days ago, and we put some Rhode Island red eggs in and some dot rocks, which is what we call our hybrid between our gold lace 
Wyandot rooster and our barred rock hen. And uh, so far, we've got six Rhode Island red chicks chirping away and two little dot rocks. Very exciting. First batch in a little while. Yeah, we haven't had any in a while. And normally it's like, oh, chicks again, you know, because they are loud and they make a mess and you got to clean up after them a lot. But I'm actually really excited to see them again. I was I was very happy. Well, good. Yes. So now hopefully we can sell them really quick. All right. Next, we received a really, really nice message from Damien and his family. He says, love the podcast. Thank you so much from your fans, Damien, Serenity, Navia, Preston, and Nicole. Okay. Now I want to stop right here. This is the second family in two weeks who has identified themselves in their own words as fans. Wow. You know what this means? What? You can now legitimately be one of those pompous people <laughs> who's always talking about their fans in really weird <laughs> ways and awkward ways at dinner parties. Um, we don't go to dinner parties, though. Well, you can now. <laughs> now you can go there and talk about your fans. I think I turn people off enough just talking about our chickens <laughs> because it doesn't take more than five minutes being around somebody before, I don't know, somehow I tell them we have 40 chickens and then they look at you really funny and make a real fast excuse to get away from you. Well, that's true. When you say we raise chickens, they're like, oh, that's nice. And when you get to the 40 number, all of a sudden it's like crazy cat lady. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, I got to go over there. <laughs> so anyway, Damien and his awesome family let their chickens free range. And one of their hens somehow found some old fishing line. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, she got the hook stuck in the top of her head. Oh my gosh, that's got to hurt. And she swallowed about two feet of fishing line with the end hanging out her mouth. Oh my gosh. Well, we see that quite a bit in Florida here with pelicans. Right. Because they're always trying to snatch fish, you know, as soon as you reel it in. And they're always swallowing fish with the hook in their mouth. And the line. And, um, and basically you have a kite. Yeah, you have a pelican kite. But there's a lot of rescues around here that actually rehabilitate them. I have never seen that on a chicken. Luckily, Damien knows a bird guy in his town and he rushed the poor little hen over there and they managed to remove the hook and the fishing line and she's now in recovery. Thankfully. Yes. Well, Damien says to tell people, please be careful when you throw away old fishing gear or other things that could be hazardous to your chickens. You just don't think about that much. Right, but that's very good advice. I think sometimes we forget just how curious our little chickens are and how they love to explore everything and especially shiny things like, oh, a fish hook. Yeah, good point. They're very attracted to shiny. Well, you know how when you have a little baby on the way, you got to run around the house and spend like $150,000 baby-proofing the house, <laughs> making sure nobody can open a toilet seat and nobody can get to a power outlet? Well, it's like you got to do that with your chickens now. You got to maybe take a little walk around the yard and look around and you have to embrace your inner chicken. You have to <laughs> think like a chicken and say, okay, if I was a chicken, what would I get into trouble with that's laying around here and, and you know, really think that way. Right. And there's things that even just blow into the yard. You know, we've had, you know, like those six pack of soda can things, the oh, little right, plastic the rings. rings. Those have blown into the yard from the garbage trucks that drive by, little plastic bags. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you, you, it's not even just your own junk. It's blown in junk you got to look for. Very true. Well, we actually have a similar story from Thanksgiving Day. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but still in like the chicken in danger genre. But before we go there, I want to mention that Damien left us a really, really nice review on iTunes as well. 
So Damien, thank you for that. And thanks also to Serenity, Navia, Preston, and Nicole for listening to the show. You guys are great. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. We also got a nice review from Doug B888. And Doug B says, I downloaded a few of each of the chicken podcasts available on iTunes. The online chicken school podcast is by far the best. Don and Susie are informative, but also entertaining to listen to. This podcast has been invaluable to me as I've started down the road of backyard chicken raising. Well, that was really, really nice. Thank you for that, Doug B. Yes, absolutely. And it's nice to know that we're actually helping people. Or at least they think we are. And that's just as good. (laughs) That's right. It's the placebo effect. If you think we're helping, it's just as good as if we're actually helping. Yes, that's wonderful. Love it. Okay, so now the Thanksgiving story. Yes, but I think this deserves a theme. Here's another. I learned that the hard way. All right, so we hosted Thanksgiving dinner at our house this year, and both Don's parents and my parents came over to the house. It was awesome. And Don's sister was in town, so she came along as well. And as usual, I had some chickens out running around, enjoying a little freedom from the chicken tractor. Mm-hmm. And when my sister got out of the car, she brought her little beagle named Katie with her. Yes. And as soon as Katie was out of the car, of course, our three dogs came running up and they all started sniffing at each other and just doing what dogs do. (laughs) Well, we all walked in the house and I remember my mom said, do you think the chickens are safe being out with Katie out there? And I said, well, Katie seems busy with Shep, Sadie and Max, so I'm not too worried, but I'll go lock them up in a few minutes or a little later. And no sooner did I say that, when I look out the back window and one of our little dot rock hens is running at full tilt boogie along the back porch and she is screaming like crazy and behind her is Katie chasing her and then behind Katie is our three dogs chasing Katie. It was a real serious ruckus. Right. So everybody runs outside. Don's sister grabs Katie who actually has a few feathers in her mouth and then we all start looking for the dot rock hen and we cannot find her anywhere. And we all looked for, I mean, at least a good 30 minutes. Yeah. You were on the golf cart looking. I took our stick and I'm looking through all the bushes, knocking them around. trying. I mean, your dad was out there nowhere. Yeah. And I mean, it got to the point where, you know, chickens just don't go very far. They don't stray too far from the coop. You know, they like to be near home base. So, You don't usually have to go check the whole five acres for them. You just look in their normal little exploration grounds. But we kind of exhausted those. And next thing you know, you just didn't know what else to do. So you're literally driving around five acres going, you know, hen, hen, where are you? (laughs) You know, and we literally looked in every bush, every hedge. It got to the point where we're being ridiculous. Now we're looking up in the trees. Oh, yeah. Even trees that have the lowest branches, like seven feet tall. You're like, (laughs) well, if I don't look and that's where she is. We're looking at some feel of, stupid. We're looking at some of the trees that didn't even have leaves on anymore, like like looking like really inspecting it. It's like, okay, you can obviously see a black hen is not in that tree. But you just didn't know what else to do. It was awful. Because you couldn't find her. Yeah. So two hours go by. And I figured, you know, Katie had the feathers in her mouth. We can't find the hen. She somehow got somewhere out of our yard and she's dying somewhere. So I was a little depressed, um, 
But, you know, you got a Thanksgiving meal to make and you got all these relatives coming over. So kind of moved on with the day. And Don's sister was taking Katie outside to go to the bathroom off the porch. And Katie goes outside and runs right for this bush and out pops the dot rock hen. And this starts the whole thing all over again. They're running around the backyard. Our dogs are chasing Katie. We're chasing all of our dogs. And thankfully this time the dot rock ran right for her chicken tractor to join her other little friends and she was fine. But oh my gosh, this could have really ended bad twice. Yeah. And the funny part for me was, is, you know, we had been sitting on the back porch for two hours, (laughs) all talking and where the hen was, was in a bush right next to the porch. She had been sitting two feet away from us the entire time. Mm -hmm. We all looked in that bush. Every one of us looked in that same bush. Yeah. Never saw her. And she sat there quiet as can be. She never clucked. She never made a noise. You didn't even hear the leaves rustle for two hours. Well, I mean, she was really motivated to keep quiet. She was, you know, just chased and heard she lost some butt feathers. But this really highlights another area of danger for your chickens, which are dogs. And for the most part, dogs and chickens are not really great together. No. So if you have a neighbor a friend or a family member that brings their dog to your house, just make sure they stay on a leash until after you have all your chickens put away where the dogs can't get to them. Yeah, and even if that dog's owner says, oh, she would never hurt anyone, she's just a sweet little thing, put the chickens away before you let a strange dog loose in your yard. Yeah, because Katie is a really, really sweet little dog, and she's quiet, and she's tiny, and she's snuggly, And she's not nearly as crazy as our three maniacs, but you just never know how a dog's going to react to a chicken until they're like right there face to face. And then it's possibly too late. Yeah. When she saw a chicken, her beagle blood kicked in and (laughs) man, she just went into hunting mode. Yeah. It's funny now. Not so much then. Okay. Well, one last thing before the main feature today, I want to remind you that if you like the show and you do any shopping on Amazon, you can go to onlinechickenschool.com, click on the Amazon link at the top of the page, and then go do your shopping on Amazon. Right. It takes you to the same Amazon site with all the same products. Um, You're going to pay exactly the same price, but Amazon will give us a nice little kind of reward for sending you their way. And it really will help us pay for some of the, the podcasting bills. And we'd appreciate that. Yeah. It's a nice thing to do. So thank you in advance, everyone. Okay, for the main feature today, we're talking about what do you do if your chickens get frostbite? We are well into the winter months right now in most places, and when it gets really cold, it's possible for the fluid inside a chicken's cells to actually freeze, causing those cells to die. Ew. And that's what we call frostbite. And just like in people, this is going to start at the extremities. Um, In chickens, it's their wattles, their combs, their legs, and their little toes. These areas are not covered by feathers in most breeds. There are some that do have feathers on their feet and their legs. But secondly, those areas tend to grow, obviously, away from the body, which is the center of their blood flow and body warmth. And roosters tend to be more susceptible to frostbite, and they may be the first ones to get it because they have much larger combs and wattles, which means those areas are even further away from their core body heat than maybe in a hen who has a smaller comb, smaller wattles. But don't think that the hens are safe from this because of that. 
in poor conditions, any chicken can get frostbite. We talked about Damien earlier in the podcast, but he'd also mentioned to us that he lives in northern Florida. So he is uh, in the same state as we are, but much further north, about as far north as you can get before you get out of Florida. Way up north near Georgia. (laughs) All right. And, you know, one of those cold snaps kind of came out of the blue and his chickens got frostbite. And being in Florida, you kind of think we don't ever have to worry about frostbite. But every once in a while, it'll just kind of sneak up on you. Mm Mm-hmm. But even if you live in the great white north, (laughs) you can have spells of reasonable weather for a while that kind of lull you into this sense of security. And then all of a sudden you get a storm come along or a real cold snap and and suddenly that catches you by surprise. And it, it just happens. And, you know, if you have chickens long enough, you probably will have to deal with frostbite at some point. It doesn't mean you're a bad chicken parent. It just (laughs) kind of happens. Right. And if they do get frostbite, it's not the end of the world. But the earlier you discover it, the less damage is actually going to be done and the easier it's going to be to treat them. So during the winter, make a habit of checking on your chickens really often. And not just doing a head count to make sure they're all there, but make sure you actually look at their combs, look at their waddles, check out their feet. And what you're looking for are areas of skin that have become discolored. They may turn white or grayish first and then eventually become black. And on their combs, it'll often start on skin that's the furthest from their head, which makes sense. Um, Now, single comb roosters and hens, it may just be on the little pointy tips. And as the tissue continues to freeze and die, it's going to work its way closer to the head. Now, with waddles, it usually starts along the lower portion of the waddles and works its way up toward the face. For one thing, the bottom edge is furthest from the body, so it gets the least blood flow. But if you use bell waterers or any kind of open water container, you probably have noticed that when chickens drink, they tend to dip their waddles in the water. They really can't help it. (laughs) And plus, you get a little drippage when they're drinking anyway. So their waddles tend to collect a little bit of water and... Of course, when it's freezing out, that's not a good thing to have wet skin that's bare. And so that makes it easy to develop frostbite. Well, and it's funny here, uh, and I see pictures all over on the internet where people have their chickens out in the winter. They've got snow on the ground here. No, not so much (laughs) ever. Um, But ours make a beeline right for the dog dish. Right. Or any puddle or anything that's collected water because... Although they drink out of the nipples, the chicken nipples that we have in their coops, and they love it. They don't have any issue with it. I think there's just something they love about drinking out of a container. And I'll tell you, any of our chickens that do that, especially the roosters, their waddles go all the way down to the bottom of the bowl, and then they come up just shaking their head and flapping water all over their face. It's kind of funny, but in the winter, it could actually be pretty dangerous for them. Now, with legs and toes, you may notice that your chicken's limping or doesn't want to put any weight on their leg or their foot. Because it hurts. Yeah. I mean, think about when your feet freeze or your hands freeze. You don't want to touch anything. You don't want to put tap it against anything because it hurts a lot. And again, you want to be checking for this often. It mostly gets cold at night, so check in the morning. And if it's at or below freezing all day, check in the morning again at night. You know, what's the harm? And again, you know, you're really concerned about this when it's below freezing. We're not saying 
you know, starting October 3rd, you have to check them three times a day until May. Unless you're in Alaska or something, maybe. Yeah, right. Unless you're in <laughs> Siberia. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's basically whenever the temperatures are freezing. If you go through a little warmer patch, then, you know, you can take a little break from it. Just make sure when it gets back to freezing temperatures, you're back on patrol. Now, you don't want to get too stuck to the thermometer because it's not always the coldest nights that create the most ideal frostbite conditions. Humidity is a really big factor. So you can have a really, really cold night where the air is nice and dry and it's dry in your coop and there's no problem at all. Then you forget to clean the coop in a little while and you have it sealed up so tight that the humidity builds up and then your chickens get frostbite at temperatures that are actually higher than the nights that they didn't get frostbite. Right. And you're baffled. <laughs> and sometimes we think that just because we went through a bunch of nights at zero degrees and they were fine, that when it's, I don't know, 10 degrees, oh, they're not going to get frostbite, but it doesn't work that way. So again, check on them often anytime it's below freezing. Okay. So you're out there doing your inspection in your slippers and pajamas in the morning. And you notice that one of your hens has frostbite. What do you do? Well, the first thing you want to do is stop any further damage from occurring. If possible, bring the chicken into a warmer area. Maybe it's your garage. That's a good spot. Maybe it's in the utility room of your house. Or all you lucky people that have basements. Maybe put it in your basement. Right. But make sure this is somewhere they can be for a little while. It won't do you any good to bring her in to warm her up and then just throw her back out in the freezing temperatures again. That can actually cause more harm than just leaving her out there the whole time. Right. So you want to start gradually warming the damaged area up. Just like they say with people, the last thing you want to do is like dunk your frozen arm in hot water. The warm-up needs to be really gradual. Same with chickens. Yeah, don't get out the hair dryer, the heat lamp, the space heater. <laughs> don't crank up the oven and throw her in there for a little <laughs> while. Don't put your chicken in the dryer. No. There's a lot of reasons you shouldn't do those last two. <laughs> now, one thing you can do is to soak a towel in lukewarm, not hot, but lukewarm water, and then hold the towel against any of the affected areas to just gently warm them up slowly. And really just hold it against the affected area. Don't rub it because that discolored tissue that's on their waddles or their combs or their feet or their toes, that's dead. And it will not come back. So it'll eventually fall off and be replaced by new skin, which is great. But while it's still on there, it's actually protecting the vulnerable skin underneath. So no rubbing. Yeah. So don't think you have to go in there and like peel the dead skin off or it's going to make other tissue dead. It's actually think of it like a bandage that's helping protect the skin underneath. Mm -hmm. And if there are any blisters, which could happen, don't pop these. Just leave it the way it is. Don't pick at your chicken. Leave it alone. Well, especially with the blisters, because if you pop them, you could cause an infection. Mm -hmm. Then you got a much bigger problem. And you want to make sure you keep the damaged area clean, again, to avoid infection. One thing you can do to help with this is a little thing called Vetresin VF Hydrogel. This is a spray, and all you do is spray it on a few times each day. It's nice because you don't have to wipe that on and worry about causing you know, more damage physically by putting it on. You can just spray it on and leave it alone. Well, I wonder if you could also use something like aloe because we've got aloe plants out here. I'm not sure anywhere else if they grow like weeds like they do here, but we'll put that on our sunburn. Um, and it really has a protective and antibacterial property to it. Right. So that may be an option as well if you want to go a more natural route. 
Uh, you can also use a triple antibiotic ointment instead. You should have that in your chicken first aid kit by now. That was on an earlier list. Uh, again, just be very careful when you apply it not to disturb the damaged skin areas. You know, with a with an ointment like this, you're going to have to do some spreading and just be very careful when you're doing that. Right. And if you're using that ointment, just make sure again, like we'd mentioned in the first aid kit uh, episode, that it's one that's without a pain reliever. So check the label, make sure that none of the ingredients end with cane, like lidocaine, hydrocaine. Michael Caine peppermint candy cane <laughs> but it's like cane c-a-i-n-e or c-a-n-e okay so if the frostbite is in the legs or toes uh, what you can do is maybe dissolve some epsom salts and lukewarm water and let her soak in that little foot bath and that'll do her feet and toes some good uh, you can do that a couple times a day for about a week or two Right. And you do want to make sure you keep an eye out for infections, because even if you keep it as clean as you can, sometimes you're going to start seeing some swelling and redness or even some oozing, maybe a not so nice smelly discharge, because these are all signs of an infection. So if it comes to that, you're going to probably want to consider taking your chicken to a vet. Or if you prefer to do things yourself, you're going to probably need some kind of antibiotics. Anytime you have a sick or injured chicken, you're going to want to try and boost their immune system as much as you can and get their body healing itself. It'd be a great idea to add some vitamins and electrolytes to their drinking water and make sure they're drinking plenty of that nice little cocktail. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is going to be something that's pretty painful for them. If, again, you think about people with frostbite, that's painful. So you may want to give them some aspirin as a pain reliever. So if you take either like a baby aspirin or a low-dose aspirin, Either of those are around 81 milligrams, I believe. So you just crush it up in their water. You can give it to them with an eyedropper. Um, you can crush it up and put it in yogurt because yogurt is going to be really good for their immune system as well. So you kind of get double duty there, a little pain reliever and a little bit of probiotics for them. Just make sure you put it in a small batch. Don't try and mix it in like a gallon of yogurt. <laughs> now you got to get them to eat a whole gallon of yogurt in one sitting. Which I don't know if they'd have a problem with that. They really do love their yogurt. <laughs> that is a lot of yogurt though for a chicken. <laughs> Now, if you have several birds you're treating, because if you've got one that got frostbite, you might actually have a few that have frostbite. Uh, so if that's the case, you know, trying to do like individual little aspirins with a <laughs> eyedropper might take you all day. Uh, if you need to do it in a larger group, what you can do is crush up 325 milligrams of aspirin. That's a regular aspirin, not an extra strength, not a baby or a low dose, just your regular old average aspirin tablet should be 325 milligrams. Crush that up, mix it into a gallon of water, and let them drink that through the day. That way they're getting just, you know, a little bit of it as they're drinking. And always make sure that you're using aspirin. Don't use ibuprofen, not acetaminophen, not Advil, not Tylenol, just oh. plain old regular aspirin. Good old-fashioned aspirin. The stuff they charge you $150 a pill for in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, but you can buy at your local drugstore for a buck for like a thousand. Exactly. <laughs> now, one thing to remember is that frostbite is going to be really stressful on your chickens. So your hens, if your hens get it, they're going to probably stop laying for a little while until they get back into the rhythm and get back healthy again. Well, and this is really serious for roosters because I read an article that every single rooster who gets frostbite guaranteed they will never lay an egg again their entire life. <laughs> Okay, that was really corny. There's not a lot of absolutes in life. I can guarantee that. If yeah. you, any of you that doesn't come true, 
if your rooster starts laying eggs after frostbite, you can come back and complain. Yeah, but um, for those of you that don't quite get that joke, yeah, roosters don't lay eggs. Now, you'll notice that taking care of a chicken with frostbite is going to be a little bit of work, and it can actually take about six to eight weeks for them to fully recover from this. Prevention is much better than treatment. So what can you do to prevent frostbite in the first place? The first and most obvious cause of frostbite is really, really cold temperatures. Anytime it's below freezing, your chickens are at risk of frostbite. All right, so what can you do? Um, to combat this is to provide a little bit of heat in your coop. And we really mean just a little bit. You don't want it toasty warm. So if you open up the coop door and all the chickens are sitting around an open fire in their underwear drinking iced tea, it's way too hot in there. Yeah, a little bit too hot. If you think it feels nice in there, like, oh, it's not bad in here, it's way too warm. Uh, you want to heat the coop up just enough that it's barely above freezing. Remember, your chickens can handle the cold just fine. We're just trying to take the edge off the cold so that they don't get frostbite. So you just want to get the temperature a tiny, tiny, tiny bit above freezing. That's it. Now, we have to mention this again. You want to make sure that any heat source that you put in your coop, you secure that thing really well. And this is all about like redundancy. So if you could secure it two ways so that the chickens don't knock it down, wonderful. But really, when you're putting it in there, think like a chicken, like, how would I be able to knock this down and then try and figure out a way to secure it even better? Okay, the second contributing factor to frostbite is high humidity. This happens quite quickly in a chicken coop. The exhalations and excrementations. <laughs> breathing and pooping. Both those things increase the humidity of the air inside the coop, and they do it pretty quickly. Yeah, so this is um, also why you don't want to heat the coop too much because that warmer air is gonna increase the humidity. So to combat humidity, make sure your coop has plenty of ventilation. Ventilation is gonna displace that stale, humid, just icky, hangy, thick air with nice, dry, fresh air. And as you're creating that ventilation, you just have to be careful that you're not causing drafts that are going to blow directly on the chickens. You know, it's a little bit of two competing issues there. You want a lot of fresh air, but you want to make sure you're introducing them in the right place. Take special care to make sure the air is not blowing directly on them while they're sleeping on their roost poles at night, because that's when they'll be most susceptible. That's when it's coldest. Right. So another thing that can lead to frostbite is if your chickens actually sleep on the floor. And this can actually happen when you use artificial lights in the coop at night to keep their egg production up during the winter months. If you're providing extra light at night in order to keep them laying, what's happening is it gets dark outside, it stays light inside the coop, and then suddenly the lights go out whenever your timer decides to kick them off. And the chickens aren't ready for that. They're sitting on the ground and then the lights go out. And because chickens can't see very well in the dark, now they can't get up on the roost pole and they're stuck on the ground. So they have two choices of either trying to make a flying leap in the complete darkness and hope they hit it. Or they just sit there and say, well, I guess I'm stuck on the ground tonight. Yeah, and that's that's not good. Either, either situation is not good. Um, one thing we did find at the local farm store, which was so exciting, is, you know, it's Christmas time and people are putting Christmas lights up already. And uh, they've got this timer that you stick in the ground. It's like on a stake and it has three outlets on it. So you run an extension cord from that in your yard to the house where you plug it in. And then off of that staked t 
timer outlet, you can plug in three other extension cords. And that worked perfect for when we added light to the coops this last weekend. We needed three coops lit. This had three open outlets on it. We stuck it in between all three coops, ran three lines to uh, the little lights in the coops, hooked them up, set the timer, and it worked awesome. Now we have our timer set to go on about four in the morning. So they're already sleeping, they're up on their roost poles, and all of a sudden the light comes on and it's like, hello, time to start the day. Right, so if you're gonna do artificial lighting in the coop during the winter, add it on to the morning hours and not on to the evening hours. Absolutely. So we mentioned earlier that chickens tend to get their waddles wet when they drink water and it makes it easier to get frostbite. So one thing you can do to help with that is use a nipple drinker system instead of a bellwater or an open container. With the nipple systems, you'll still get a little bit, you know, as chickens drink, they're kind of sloppy drinkers and you'll get a little bit that rolls down their face and onto their, their waddles. But it's not nearly as much as when they stick their whole head in a bucket <laughs> and their waters just get soaking wet. So it'll help keep their waddles a little drier and a little less susceptible to frostbite if you use a nipple system. Okay, now lastly, you can switch to a flat and wide roost pole, like the broadside of like a two by four. And with a wide roosting surface, your chickens are going to squat down on their toes and keep them warm with their feathers instead of like the typical round roost poles where their toes are going to be exposed because they just can't wrap themselves all the way around it. And that doesn't help much with their combs and waddles being exposed, but at least it'll protect their feet. Right. Absolutely. Now, some people say you can help protect their combs and waddles by taking some petroleum jelly and spreading it on their combs and on their waddles whenever it's going to be well below freezing, and that will help prevent frostbite. There is an awful lot of conflict between people who swear, yes, it absolutely helps and it saved my chickens from frostbite many a time. And then there's people who say it does absolutely no good whatsoever. It's a waste of time. So if you want to do something and you don't have any other measures, like maybe you're not set up for heat in the coops and you've got a cold snap coming through and you just don't know what else to do, is it going to hurt anything? No, it won't make them more susceptible to frostbite. It'll either help a little bit or it'll just be a useless exercise. Your call. All right, so hopefully now you know just about everything you need to know about frostbite in your chickens. And I think the two most important things to keep in mind is keep an eye on the weather forecast. Always know how cold it's supposed to get. Try not to get surprised. And second, make sure you're checking your chickens for frostbite damage anytime the temperatures are below freezing. Well, hopefully that's been helpful for all of our northern friends or those that uh, have pretty harsh winters. Now, if you do live in those areas and you've probably been through a heck of a lot of harsh winters with your chickens and there are other ideas that you have that have helped get them through without frostbite, let us know on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash online chicken school. You may have an idea that will help somebody else. All right. Well, as always, thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider going over to iTunes and giving us a really nice review over there, just like Damien and Doug B888 did. If you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 32. That's all for today. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.